he won't tempt you in such a way that he won't make a way of escape. And that's talking about temptation. That's not talking about trouble. Temptation. In other words, when you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't, start looking because God's made a way out. If you'll look for the way out, there's a way out. And it won't be in yourself. It'll be either in the scriptures or in your faith community. It'll be maybe in confession. Oh, dear Lord. Now I'm preaching. This is Big C, Little C, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church, Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Hey, thanks for listening. If you have not yet listened to part one of Sparkling Waters with the Frontman, do that first. This is the sequel. Trying to keep them shorter these days, but we'll see. Uh, got some other stuff planned this spring and summer. Would love to hear some feedback from you and tell a friend. Uh, part two of this one with Gene. We start by rewinding a couple minutes back into the conversation that was in part one for context. Thanks for listening. started out with a moment ago of worship and preaching in that style that has been what we've defined as church and it is not what church is that is that is the gathering and you know it's just i think it's just maybe come full circle or maybe it's it's finished its thing you know i think that you know each generation has a this is the way we did church and now we don't do it that way anymore and i think we're on COVID is, is, has um, accelerated yeah. that need for change, and I don't think it's going to change to just video. But I'm saying I think it's, I, I think, you know, maybe it's going to be, so, uh, maybe more, maybe smaller. I don't know. I mean, I've I've kind of felt that for a while that the big church was going to kind of be a thing of the past, but we're still scraping at it so bad. We just want it so bad. Hmm. As as people, you know, we're like that with. Especially in America, I think if you, if we took America out of the equation and started looking at church, mm. it just would not. The only way it would, you know, I think if you went to especially like a third world country and thought about church or a closed country where Christianity is not welcome and it's like dangerous to be a Christian, you know, it, church life does not look like what we do. This idea of let's all come together and be loud and boisterous and or just have a huge, super huge gathering just to talk about Jesus. I think that those things aren't happening. And where they are, it's been the influence of American missionaries on foreign territories right. where we just try to emulate, which we, missionaries have been doing this forever. You got the handful of, that are trying to go and make pastors of that culture so those people can yeah. lead the church. And then you've got guys that just stay there forever. Yeah. You know, they're and I don't know. I, I don't know what that will look like in the long run, but I, I do think that we're in the in the forefront of a serious change and and um I think it's going to be a good thing I think that it's going to you know weed out we're we're kind of past that I mean we're a post-christian culture we've had this conversation on this podcast before you know you drive through a neighborhood on Sundays and 
the driveways are not empty. Everybody, you know, the cars are still there. They're not going to church on Sunday. Those days are gone. Yeah, my car was there every Sunday morning for ten years, so I was in that group. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Or Sunday night. I mean, they just yeah, you know they're yeah. not they're not going somewhere. And um, I mean, there's great things that the church can do when it's large, as far and when it comes to impact. But most of those things are. They're momentary, yeah. you know, so we can do large, you know, you can do larger events if you're a larger church, but that is a one day or, you know, two or three day event that you do. And then you're back to winning people the good old fashioned way, which is loving them and meeting them and having a real genu- genuine relationship with people, which is every missionary does this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, missionaries don't go to foreign lands and try to build an American church and then hope people will come to it. They go and inject themselves into the community, the culture. And I think America's got to get back to that to some degree. I think the churches that are existing will exist, but I don't, I just, I've felt this way for a long, long time. Even when we planted a church, if I planted again, I would not do it the way I did. I would, it would do it. I would be different than even then. So but having said that, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s and even the 2000s, and I love, I, I enjoy big church. I enjoy the excitement of a great worship band. and But I also miss the moments of, from my childhood, where it was like long extended altar times at Sunday night church. But even that, you can't find those signs of things in Scripture necessarily, other than they all got together to pray and they lingered and waited on the Lord. So... Yeah, maybe it's just where I'm at right now. I feel like there needs to be some kind of encounter. And very seldomly did I just stand up from my blue chair, stack it, shake a couple hands, and walk out. And I like, will got that that over. You know, there was an encounter. There was yeah. like, there was something percolating, or uh, somebody you, said something to me that. Do you think it was like me. a God encounter or a people encounter or yes. both? Every, I mean, both and hopefully, hopefully those are the lines are blurred there because. Yeah. Um, and and I. This stuck with me this past Sunday. I saw a guy and hadn't the guy I went to college with, and I hadn't seen him in twenty three years. And um, do you recognize? Yeah, good. Well, I had run into his wife in the foyer when mm-hmm. she was at the coffee bar, and she said that he he would be there, and I mm-hmm. I knew immediately which one he was. And sure, he walked in a couple minutes before the first song, and I'm not nothing against him. Yeah, you know. Walked in, stood up when he was supposed to, sat down when he was supposed to, faced the stage. Last song ended, grabbed his coat, and walked out with his kid. How many, do, and, how many and people I do have, you think do that? I have no idea. I have no idea what was in his heart. I'm not making a sure. judgment call. He may have It's been just an observation. Cha- his, may, his life may have been changed forever. Right. Or may, he may have gone to the foyer and spoken life over somebody. Sure. Right. Ne- neither here nor there. I just wonder, is there an encounter? Is if we do our three songs and then show the video and then the pastor says, wasn't that a great video? I just really appreciate that. And then reads a sermon and then worship team sees its cue, goes back up, does the closing song and people grab their coats and leave. Like, where's the encounter? And hopefully there's a lot of encounter in the foyer and hopefully people are building one another. I, you know, I just was so used to taking something with me. Mm-hmm. May have been something you said, may have been something Chris Banta said, may have, sure. may have been something that God spoke to me, may have been something I said to somebody else that was like, where'd that come from? Right. And felt built up in that. That happened as somebody who hadn't really stepped out in that way before current. Yeah. 
I long for that for the American churchgoer. Right. As, as from where I sit right now, as I kind of tour around the city a little bit and I see these people, that's just, I'm not even, it's not a question. I'm just, that's where my heart is. I long for people to have a place, to find a place where there's an encounter, where they take something with them and they are equipped to go be the church. How long do you think you had to be, how long do you think you were at a part of current before you felt that? Uh, hmm. You know what I mean? I think there are some people that I walk did, in and they're like, I instantly felt a connection, I, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That doesn't happen for everybody. It was, it was weird for me. I'm not a guy who assimilates into new situations very easily at all. That's, I, what I'm I, get, I, that's part of what yeah, I'm getting at. I come from a charismatic background, so that part wasn't weird to me. The I'm not part of this scene that that mm-hmm. and i remember it was very clear that there were no rules that you know that there was no time limit and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and and very quickly it became clear to me that this is more like a new testament church i think these people are are after it in that way but i didn't feel a part of it maybe till we moved so but, i'm getting at that with yeah. the same thing you know how much yeah. do you have to be part of something before yeah. but i remember one night downtown after preaching, I think, raise your hand if you have a need, and then look around and go find somebody. And I, I still felt like very new, not a part, but I was fairly close to your dad, and he had raised his hand, and nobody had gone over. He didn't know me. Yeah. And so I went over there, and he said, my head hurts. Yeah. And I, I didn't know about his headaches, so I you know, prayed my best out loud prayer. Sure. And I think that caused me to be like, okay, I'm going to have to step out if we're going to be here, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get out of the comfort zone. I'm going to have to be used. It probably took something like that, but it got me out yeah. out into it. And that's a prompting of the Holy Spirit, too. I mean, yeah. you don't want to. Sometimes you're like, this is out of my comfort zone, but you know it's the right thing to do. And that's how the, a lot of times the Holy Spirit moves on us. Yeah. You know, you're like, I don't know that I want to do this, but I feel like compelled yeah. to some degree. I think that until we until you open yourself up to that, in a new body, you're always going to feel a little bit like the outsider until you become the insider. Now there's a, you know, we could talk about that for a long time too, is what does that mean to make people feel welcome, blah, 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 which the, what we do to make people feel welcome in the modern church is weak as water too. You know, you know, text this number. We really, we're really <laughs> glad you're here. We want, we want to make you feel welcome by, you know, like by what, by sending me a text. Thanks. I feel welcome. You know, in in the old days, if you know, you knew you were welcome because the pastor invited you over to his house, or he invited you out for dinner or something that night. Come, you know, let's go out and get something to eat after church. And you know, you, you can't do that with five hundred people. I mean, yeah. I know people that try. I mean, I think that, I, you know, I think that Perry tries. I think he tries real hard to know everybody, and it's a it's a big church to know everybody. It really can't be done. So it's it, you know, but you need to, yeah. I keep thinking about the story at Josh's celebration of life with Tony noticing him that he kind of stuck out yeah. appearance-wise and spoke a word over, ended up going to dinner with him that night. Yeah. And then they're driving to Franklin. Right. Uh, and still a big part of... We, we often don't yeah. know the power that the power in that connection that you're looking for, the power that we have as people yeah. to actually make that connection. We're, I think a lot of times we're hoping somebody else will make that connection with us. And a lot of times it's on us to make that connection. We don't sometimes know the power that we have because probably most people are are in the same boat. When you're the newbie, you feel like the newbie and you you need to be, you know, you need to kind of go for it. If you want to be a part of something, if you want to make the team, you got to start working like you're going to make the team. Complete opposite of that would be Justin Bawinkle. 
he was the new guy, but he talked to me like I was the visitor and he was welcoming me from day one. Right. <laughs> but that's a, I mean, he's got, a, he's got a gift. He like, does. It's yeah. a personality thing for yeah. sure. I yeah. mean, I, man, I think that um, some people have that and it's genuine. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's great. And it's, we can't expect everybody to be that way. And I think as, you know, when you're a pastor, you kind of like, you wish that, that sure. everybody would be that way so that people just automatically connect. But you have to, and there's always people that are kind of shy, kind of backwards. That's just their personality, yeah. and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And they might be connected more than you think. I, like, you know, we mentioned that at Josh's Celebration of Life. I, I never felt like he was super connected, but then if you talk to him, he's like, you know, Crunchers best thing ever happened. This place is awesome. These people love me. And I'm like, how do you know? Because, again, with their traveling, they were yeah. usually a little bit late and pretty frequently trying to get out the door because of the drive, you yeah. know. And, I, and yet they felt like that. And still did like that was their home and those are their people and you don't you don't know what's going on in people's heads and hearts. No. What's your assessment of the uh, the pink grapefruit Kroger brand? Is that what I just drank? It's not as high flavored as I maybe would have liked. It's okay. I haven't tried it yet. I've almost the, don't judge the grapefruit as a whole until you've tried but, bubbly. Okay. I may. I've got a little watermelon left here. I think a grapefruit watermelon mashup. Oh, we, we'll be taking a bathroom break later. I mean, if we're tipping into number two, if this was oh, that's two different questions. Yes, bathroom it is. Break and tipping into number two. <laughs> yes. How about if I try this? The uh, the Welch's not Welch's grape. Oh, did you hear that? So good. It's got a nice aroma. Can't believe we ever did coffee with the front man. Did you ever? Uh, this grape reminds me of knee-high grape, only by the smell, which makes me think of Radar from the television show MASH. It's before your time. It's really before my time, but I watched it as a kid with my dad a lot. But he loved that knee-high. Everybody would go to the bar and get beers, and he always wanted a knee-high soda. Was it always grape? Oh, yeah, grape knee My dad would go to the public pool. A uh, nickel and a dime would get him a hot dog and a knee-high orange. Mm. Yeah? That's not too bad. Oh, we... A little hint of the gray. Get closer. We are surrounded by deconstructors. I think we all probably know somebody in our lives who is asking the hard questions and, and pushing back on things that we believe to be true. I had a friend, a believer, mm-hmm. post on Facebook, a person doesn't leave a church that hasn't already rejected them. And, I mean, I thought it was complete garbage, but... <laughs> that was the first thing that popped in my head, but anyway. I, I am trying to be, you know... I'm sure that's their... 2022. I'm sure that's his or her perception. I, I have no doubt that maybe. they probably feel that way, if they're the lever. I've long contended that you find what you're looking for. And Unless I, you're you too, and then you still haven't found what you're looking for. <laughs> I use Chris Banta as an example, and I've, I've said it to his face, so I have freedom to use it here. But, like, Chris disagreed with a lot of things that we did and said and 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 you did and said <laughs> and he stayed yeah and he served yep and he believed in he believed he was there to be a part of the solution yeah and i i wish 
that the American church was full of crispances because I think it's very, very, very rare where you ha- actually have cause to leave a church. You may be called away, you know, whatever. But as far as the those looking for a reason to be offended, yeah, you're going to find it eventually. Yeah, I was talking to the guy who was my best man at my wedding. He was reading this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which I thought was a plenty weird title. They it's, were, a, it's, a, it's the second or third in a series of books. You know the book? Yeah. I think the first one was The Emotionally Healthy Church. Okay. Or I, maybe Emotionally Healthy Christian or something like that. I haven't read it, and I probably won't, and that's not even the point, but he was telling me how it was breaking down the stages of our walk, our faith walk, and you know, there's the euphoria of finding Jesus, which I didn't really have because I was three, three and a half. Right. Um, Same. There's the discipleship, then moving into serving, and then stage four was where you hit the wall. I believe in stage. Are you going to include QDC talk when you say that? The wall tearing down the walls. Oh yeah, that was about uh, racial walls, I believe, of segregation. Which, well, that's already done. So, yeah, that's yeah. already been done. And so, maybe I'll just read this. Go ahead, man. Because. This gives form to what I thought for a long time. Try not to read it like as if you're reading it off an iPad, like a pastor preaching a sermon. Try not to read it like that. I don't know if you can or not. Okay. Tell me the title of the book again. The Emotionally... Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Spirituality. Mm -hmm. And this this is a quote from the book? I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. This might just be like a Cliff Notes kind of thing. I see that hand. Notice that the wall and the inward journey are closely related. <laughs> I can't the wall, gotta, don't, Please don't read it that way. I can't even track with you. The wall drives us into an inward journey. In some cases, people feel compelled to move into an inward journey that eventually leads them to the wall. It has been said that perhaps 85% of believers do not get through the wall. Often our image of God doesn't allow for such a difficult experience. This doesn't really summarize what the conversation with my friend was, but... Once you get past into some spiritual maturity where you think you're into a serving mode, you're right. into discipleship, then into serving, and then you hit a wall. You get offended. Mm-hmm. Somebody hurts you. There are deep wounds. There's loss. Mm-hmm. There are questions. Life. Yeah. And made me think of a person doesn't leave a church that hasn't already rejected them. Like, there is an expectation of, of believers that there is not for any other aspect of life, like the church life, I get offended at work, but I need to work. Right. So I show up the next day. Mm. I get offended. Uh, I go to the grocery store and there are empty shelves. Big disappointment. Couldn't yeah. find my grapefruit bubbly. But I need, I need that. Right. In my, I need, I get offended at my brother's house, <laughs> but I need him. Right. The church, there's a stigma with church wounds, I guess. They get transferred onto God, I guess. I, I don't know. Oh, the, for sure. <laughs> Would you agree with those who ultimately step away from faith because of hurt, because of life, mm-hmm. because of loss, mm-hmm. because of church drama? My thought is, if you are after the heart of Christ, if you are plugged into the vine, if you are mm-hmm. dependent on God as your source and not man, these things wouldn't happen. How can the churchgoer, if we're going to call it the wall, I'm thinking of some things I've seen on Facebook, I'm thinking of deconstructors, I'm thinking thinking of people who renounce their faith publicly, I'm thinking of people who are are losing their faith. 
man, what is it? Like, are we are we plugged in or are we not? Are we drawn from the well or are we not? Are we the Derek Webb? I'll call him out. Cademan's call. Right. Has a podcast where he allows people to come on and and air their grievances about the church. Right. And he they said, have their own little festivus right yeah. there online. <laughs> he said on the podcast one time. I don't remember what New Testament verse it was. I think it was speaking to the holiness of God where he cannot look. I don't know if it was God's desire to be worshipped or something. He's like, I don't think I like that in my God. I don't think. And I realized, like, if we stray from the white hot holiness of God, then, yeah, it starts to sound weird to us. Is God so full of himself that he. Right. Like, if we stray from pursuing his heart, then it starts to get noisy and starts to. Because we are thinking in our carnal minds. Right. And I just wonder how many of us are on the verge of that and don't realize it. Yeah. Or how many among us among. have been on the verge. And that's why it's so easy to, to lop them off. It's yeah. just, you know, one after another, it seems like they're falling. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because we don't go to that secret place and don't live don't live in God's holiness where it transforms our mind and we're not thinking, well, I'm not sure I like it. Right. I'm not sure I like God, you know. Sure. Because we start thinking with the other side of our, right. our nature. Right. You start thinking from the with the simple nature instead of the spirit nature. Yeah. I think, too, that um, we, uh, you talk about the wall. It sounded like when you were reading that, that you, you, you had said something along the lines of, you know, you come into yourself and hit this wall and... I, had, I actually posted something about this recently, but you're you're not going to find the answer by looking inward. Mm. You know, we find the answer by looking upward. And when we come into difficult times in life, an offense, um, a loss, whatever, you know, name it, whatever it is that shakes you so bad to the core that you maybe start to doubt your faith or, or doubt God or doubt the goodness of God. And we start people... All of us, maybe. Maybe we have a tendency to look inward and say, well, I'm, I've just got to look inside and figure out what's going on. And there's I, there's nothing biblical. There's no biblical um, place for that. You know, the, the answer is not to look inward, but to look upward. And it's, it shouldn't be done alone. This goes to the very heart of what we were talking about. It, this is why we need community. This is why we need experiences. Is because what happens when we get offended, We generally we close it off. Or we air, we might air our grievances, but not to the right people. Yeah. So we maybe take it to Facebook, or we take it to the water cooler, or we take it to this, that, or the other. But what we don't do is take it to our spiritual leaders, or take it to brothers and sisters in Christ who can maybe not talk us off the ledge, but at least say, I hear you. I believe that you're hurt. I, I don't know why that happened, but I know that Jesus loves you. You know, this idea that bad things don't happen or that we don't get offended or that we don't literally get hurt or that bad, you know, um, that evil isn't in the world or that sometimes we get hurt, offended, wounded, not by any cause of our own and then go, what kind of God does that? Right. What kind of God lets that happen? And it's, it's not God. It's the fallen nature. And as soon as you get away from the scriptures, you start, then it's just what you said. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Faith isn't necessarily logical. Faith is faith. And believing in a God who loves us through the difficulties and the hardships of life, that in spite of us, he didn't cause these things to happen, but he'll love us through them. And 
I'm not even, I wouldn't even begin to say that those things are easy. No. Um, I mean, I've come up against some of those, just like what you said, you go through things and you think, I can remember the first, you know, five or six years of pastoring and it was so easy and so pleasurable and so joyous. And then I had a couple of hiccups and they were pretty bad. It was, I mean, I was, I was hurt. I was offended, but I didn't quit Jesus, the, we we started, okay, how do we work this out? And some people did leave the church as a result of that. I don't think that they had to, but I think that they decided that, you know, at least in that location, God wasn't big enough to get them through it, and they, and they bailed. And I mean, I get, everybody gets tempted maybe to do that, but we need to work through these things. If you're going to talk about, if you want to call it deconstruction, which basically is just a, I mean, should we look at our faith and try to understand it? Yes. Should we do that by looking inward? No. Mm. Should we do that by uh, looking to psychologists? You know, is, is Jordan Peterson going to give us the answers for why? No. Am I saying he's not smart? He's very smart, but he's not my spiritual guru. I mean, I think he has a handle on some stuff. If, if that's your guy, some people hate him for, and some people love him, but he's not a spiritual guru. The, the questions of life, the difficult things, you should be... In the old days, we went to the altar and we just prayed until we got a breakthrough. And maybe that didn't help. Maybe, or maybe that wasn't, maybe we didn't get a breakthrough. But at least we were with family, with people that loved us, and we were going to go through it together and overcome together and see it and, and learn to live anyway and still love Jesus and not abandon the faith. And I just think that just what you said, when you. You know, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. One version says the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When you take your eyes off of Jesus, then it doesn't work. And some of the deconstruction folks, you know, they want to love Jesus, but they don't like some of the things that the Bible says. But Jesus said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God. You can't even know Jesus without the Bible. You can't know His character without the Scripture. It won't. It doesn't just magically, you know, I give my life to Jesus, and now I know everything there is to know about Him. You learn what you know from Him through the Word and through godly counsel. The Bible is full of this kind of stuff. It's godly counsel. Sometimes we come into hard times, and we want God to move the mountain, but sometimes He just helps us get over the mountain. Or sometimes he gives us a shovel and helps us dig through the mountain or whatever. And those things are hard. And that is the wall that we face. So what are you going to do with the wall? Are you going to ask God to help you find a ladder? I mean, God could move the wall. He could help you get down to Lowe's and buy a ladder and you can get over it. Or he could maybe help you get a shovel. But if what you need is the help of the body, the community of faith to help you get through those things. And... I'm at a point in life right now, Jeremy, where I think that maybe some of those hurts and some of those weights will never go away in this life. But I'm not going to abandon Jesus because of it. Because the only way you lose is if you quit. And people just quit. They, they're, no, God, there's no place in Scripture where God says it's going to be easy. You know, people say, God will never give you something too hard that you can't overcome. That's not in the Bible. Nope. The Bible does say that 
he won't he won't tempt you in such a way that he won't make a way of escape. Yeah. And that's talking about temptation. That's not talking about trouble. Right. Temptation. In other words, when you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't, start looking because God's made a way out. If you'll look for the way out, there's a way out. And it won't be in yourself. It'll be either in the scriptures or in your faith community. It'll be maybe in confession. Oh, dear Lord, now I'm preaching. But um, I think that's the, the big problem with deconstruction. If that means taking a look at the practices of church life and Christian life and going, you know what, we're doing some things. Some things are expected of me that are not biblical. You know, so to take a simple thing like, you know, I mean, I grew up in, in a church where, you know, we don't dance and we don't drink alcohol and it's all the don'ts, right? But if you look at the scriptures, it plainly says that David danced, they danced at parties. It's pretty plain that they drank, they drank alcohol. And the scriptures don't say not to do those things. It says not to be drunk. You know, and so we've got people that don't know how to control their desires. And so we just said, well, it might be best if you just don't drink at all. Well, that's fine, but you can't, that's not a command. So if, if deconstruction means looking at the scripture and saying, what does the scripture really say? You, we can do that, but you can't do it alone. You have to do it in the context of godly counsel. People that have been following the Lord longer than you have, or maybe you've been at it for 30 years, but you just, you know, you drank all the Kool-Aid and didn't ever think about it or didn't read your Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to know. And um, we need to, we need to know. So, if decon- I mean, I've deconstructed. If you want to do it that way, <laughs> yeah. right? I've I've reevaluated what the scriptures say in the context of other with other people, with other believers. But if deconstruction means I'm going to tear down everything that the church has ever built, you know, there's people out there saying that Martin Luther was you know deconstructed because he. He didn't deconstruct. He looked at the things that church were doing. He's like, the church is charging pence to get people out of purgatory, and neither of those things even exist in Scripture. <laughs> that's not decon. That's not. He didn't leave the faith. He was like the. You know what they're teaching is jacked up. Yeah. You know, and so, and that can only happen in the context of working together, reading the scriptures, and and uh, so I. Th- I mean, is it healthy to know what you believe and why you believe it? Yes, but. You know, trying to say you love Jesus without loving His Word. I don't. I don't. That's not scriptural. If it's not scriptural, it's not. It ain't God. I mean, I think you can love Him and know Him, but if you're going to grow and become mature in the Lord, it's got to happen in the context of the family. And um, honestly, that Sunday morning gathering of of worship and, and Word is is not going to be enough. It was never intended to be enough. Right. It is a joyous occasion. I like that what we did in the 80s when we called it a celebration. I think that's great. Let's come together. Let's celebrate. Let's, you know, have an M&M moment and lose yourself in the music in the moment because it's for the glory of God. I think that's good. We should have an experience and an encounter, the word that you use. I love an encounter with the living God, you know. I was at church a few weeks ago, and at the very end of the sermon, the pastor had an illustration, and the whole— I don't know what the sermon was about, but that illustration, that was for me. Wow. And and I'm still wrestling with that. Like, I'm like, uh, I gave it to the Lord, but I think there's some action that I need to take as well. And I'm, I've been praying about it and thinking about it. And honestly, I need to probably get some godly counsel about how I can, you know, go the, to the next step. Because it involves people, and I want to make sure that I do it right in a way that's going to be received as best it can, you know, like what you're talking about earlier, if you've got a hurt or you're wounded, 
I mean, I can't just walk away. It's there. And if I ever expect healing, I've got to do my part. But I want to make sure it's done in such a way that it, it can, if it can, if it's going to be received, I want to have my best shot. And that's going to take some godly counsel so that I can do it, do it right. I don't want to just do it on my own, you know. Uh, I think it's just wisdom. We're making for us. There's not a lot of giggling in this podcast right now. I don't know what's, but um, least funny we've ever been. Least funny, but that's I don't know. It's by, good. By a long shot. Need more burps. I've been pulling away from the mic on the burps because they're pretty powerful. It's the seltzer, dude. As of right now, I think we have enough meat on the bone for more. Cool. If you want to come back. so um, I would love to come back. I've quite frequently tell you that I'd love to. I think I'd love to. I know it would take a commitment on our part, but I'd love to do something on the regular. Yeah. For you who does a day's worth of manual labor and probably gets up earlier than I, asking you to come in the evening is, no, this you know. This doesn't feel like evening. I just, I mean, I'm up. Yeah, it's great. I'd love to do it. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to you to feel like you're doing it just because of me but if we can do it together and make something that's good for us and maybe i mean if people can put a podcast together about deconstructing and there's absolutely no life in that (laughs) we could surely come up with something that would be that would give some life to some people and if nothing else it'd be life for us and if somebody else enjoys it then fine yeah for sure you want to pray for us yeah Father, you're so good, and it's a man. It's a joy to know you. It's an honor to call you my King and my Lord. And maybe for anybody that might have been listening tonight, or whenever they're listening, that they maybe they're thinking, maybe they're up against that wall, and they're in a place of struggle or hurt or being wounded. Now we pray that they would look first to you um, for the, the answers, and not look to you as the cause, but as the solution for the difficulties in life and that you are our help. The Bible says you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. And so, um, man, we know what it looks like to have trouble and difficulty and adversity. And we know that our adversary, the devil, would love to kill, steal, and to destroy. But we've made a decision not to let that happen, and we've determined not to quit. And so, God, I pray that they would just look to you, look to a... uh, godly people around them, brothers and sisters in Christ, people that have maybe followed the Lord longer than they have. And um, just pray that you bring healing to couples, healing to relationships, healing to to hurting individuals that are broken, that are wounded, that are um, lonely, discouraged, that maybe have a are full of anxiety. I just, man, I, at the risk of sounding too much like a preacher, I just curse those things in the name of Jesus. And I believe for freedom and deliverance and that this could be just a a push in the right direction to go after God, not abandon Jesus, not abandon the word and not abandon the church. These things are your plan. And thank you for Jeremy, for my friend and for our relationship and for the power of God in our lives. Be with your people in Jesus name. Amen. listening to Big C, Little C, theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.